Good morning. You can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Thank you, Brother Beal, for the opportunity to preach in chapel. Uh, I yesterday got to visit uh, one of my favorite churches and, and see the handiwork of our students. We have five going there, and um, three of them are freshmen, guys. And I'm going to tell you, Brother Beal, the pastor couldn't say enough. Young people, thank you for where you go to church and uh, making such a great impression. And I know you're blessed, aren't you? And you should be blessed. Uh, you know, brother, we had good preaching last week. I personally enjoyed last week. For some reason in my life, I needed to hear Brother Wickens do that series on Elijah. I thoroughly enjoyed Brother Love's message. Uh, I've already expressed to him how much I needed that in my life. But I remember Brother Love got up and he said, you know, there's been a lot of preaching this semester about faith. And I just think I'm going to go a little different direction. Well, in following my leader and my elder brother Love, I've decided today I'm going to be preaching on tithing. And so, just kidding. We're coming up to a wonderful time, and we all enjoy it so much. Freshmen, I forgot to tell you at the end of the Life of Christ class Friday, freshmen, you just finished another Friday. So I'll tell you now. It's hard to believe, isn't it, that we go by in our life so quickly. One of these days, I want to preach a message out of James. I'm still working on it about our life being a vapor. It is. Um, now, it's been known that during Christmas, not just spring break and summer, but in the past, I have witnessed there sometimes are engagements. Now, I'm not announcing anything. Uh, the freshmen know I'm actually a volunteer in the DOS fire department. And um, we all know second semester, uh, there's a lot more sparking going on. And so I'll be preparing. We have special meetings. Brother Lucan trains us to help put out these little fires that will begin. But fellas, if you're thinking about a ring, you know, it's Christmas time. Uh, it reminds me of this Christmas story. It says a guy bought his wife a beautiful, large diamond ring for Christmas. After hearing about this very extravagant gift, a friend of his said, I thought she wanted one of those sporty four-wheel drive vehicles. She did, he replied. But where was I going to find a fake Jeep? Um, <laughs> this particular passage, we're going to be reading uh, from verse 6 down through verse 13, but my text comes from 12 and 13. I want to preach to you as Paul writes to all of us. You know, when, when preachers, especially pastors, not so much evangelists, but pastors who dwell constantly with their people, they come to a time where they have a certain message. And, and now the men may not admit this on faculty, but they know it's true. You're thinking, oh, I hope that woman's there. I hope that married couple's there. Oh, I'm I hope that teenager shows up. Well, I came to chapel hoping certain people would be here. They're all here. <laughs> because it's all of us. Paul shares a very important principle about God and about us. 
The Bible says in verse 6, Now these things, speaking of the Jewish people coming through the Red Sea in the wilderness, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let, notice the difference in the pronouns, us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. And here's the text verses. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. And by the way, if if we get nothing from my three points in the message, would you underline that? And all we're going to talk about, about our life and our temptations and the battles we face, can I just remind you, God is faithful. Don't forget that. Who, watch this, in, in talking about God's faithfulness, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Talking about the great escape. I've had um, many now in 66 years of life. I've had many in 42 years of marriage and ministry. And I even know my young friends, my young brothers and sisters, some of you have faced some tremendous challenges. I want to remind you today, not so much about us, but about him. Let's pray. Father, help us. Lord, we need you. I thank you for the messages we've been hearing in chapel. And Lord, I know that there are young people uh, and some not so young that are in the midst of great trials, temptations. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me. May the Spirit of God use me and your word to remind all of us there is an escape. Thank you for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to see, number one, the warning to the proud. Paul's point in verse 12, and to us, is the Jewish people, after seeing all and being tested all that time, though they were very privileged, they thought the wrong way about themselves. That bad thinking about how secure they were and how special they were. I mean, after going through the Red Sea and eating the manna and defeating the armies, you know, they began to think, more of themselves than they should have. And that's really what Paul's saying in verse 11. And he's saying, wherefore, we need to be careful how we think. Oswald Chambers uh, famously said, "There." now listen, this is a little deep. Oswald Chambers was one of those kind of fellows that wrote, you had to pay attention. So listen to what he says in regard to this verse. He said, there is danger with the children of God of getting too familiar with sublime things. We talk so much about these wonderful realities and forget that we have to exhibit them in our lives. It is perilously possible to mistake the exposition of the truth for the truth, to run away with the idea that because we are able to expound these things, we are living them too. And then he said this, and this reminded me of what Brother Love preached in his message. He said, quote, one step forward in obedience is worth years of study about it. This morning, I want to 
try to help you as God has helped me to remember, number one, the warning to the proud. You see, the way Paul writes it, wherefore, let him that thinketh. The ETH ending in our King James Bible on verbs almost always means continuous action. And so he's telling us as God's people, if you're in a a place in your life where you're constantly thinking, I've arrived, I've got this, I'll be okay. He said, take heed, excuse me, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth. The word standeth means to be fixed. You're in a spot, you say, I shall not be moved. And you're constantly thinking, I've arrived, I'm okay, I got this. You know what Paul says? Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. You know what the word fall means? To go from a higher place to a lower place. And I don't know of anyone that's in more danger than me. I don't know of any group of people in Lattimore or North Carolina or maybe the world is in more danger than the people of Ambassador. Oh, we're taught well. And you believe right things, but you see the danger? Like the Jewish people, they got so smug and started feeling so superior and that they were indestructible. God said that it caused them to do a series of sins, including fornication and murmuring. Earlier in 1 Corinthians 3.18, Paul said, Let no man deceive himself. If any among you seemeth, and that word seemeth is translated thinketh, Here in verse 12, seemeth to be wise in this world. Let him become a fool that he may be wise. Another author said Christians who become self-confident become less dependent on God's uh, word and the Holy Spirit. They end up being careless about their living. As carelessness increases, openness to temptation increases and resistance to sin decreases. When we feel most secure in ourselves, when we think our spiritual life is, is the stronger, strongest, our doctrine the soundest, and our morals the purest, we should be most on guard and most dependent on the Lord. I've kept all these years an article, a short, brief article, that was in the local paper where my wife and I ministered in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It was entitled, Man Accidentally Saws Off Hand. A construction worker accidentally cut off his hand with a power saw and then shot himself in the head with a nail gun several times, apparently hoping to end his pain, police said. This gentleman, 25 years old, had at least one dozen one-inch nails protruding from his scalp, police said. He underwent surgery to reattach his hand and was hospitalized in stable conditions, said his employer. Now you read that, as I did. And went, what is wrong with this guy? He, is he nuts? I'm afraid that sometimes in our life, when really strong temptation or trials come to us, we make very silly decisions. I want you to notice, Paul warns us, not to get to the place in our life when we're too proud to constantly look at our life. And by the way, you do that through the glass or mirror of God's Word. I'm I'm glad for our chapels. I learned a lot last week about myself. I I wasn't reading any of those passages, but they were brought out to me. And I hope that you listen in chapel. Number two, I want you to notice in verse 13, the worldwide principle. 
This is where it gets personal, guys. This is where you are. This is where I am. Notice Paul says, there hath no temptation. Now, the word temptation is translated in other passages as trial, testing. The word means to be put to the proof. Now, notice what Paul says. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Notice the nature of temptation. First of all, temptation takes you. I want you to get this point because this is the part that always makes me sit up and get a little bit nervous within my own heart. Paul's saying that temptation, by the way, normally our King James translators, when they use the word temptation, it was a putting forth a test whether you're going to do good or evil. The word itself could be translated trial. I'll tell you what makes it a temptation. What makes a test a temptation is not God, because James clearly tells us that God cannot be tempted to do evil, neither will he tempt a man to do evil. What makes a test a temptation is often our flesh. It's how we respond to the test. And you're going to learn with me today is very humbling and as weak as we are, God is not weak. The word, the phrase taken you is from a word that literally means to walk up behind you and grab you. It doesn't announce itself. It doesn't give you a warning. You don't get a notification on your phone, but bam, all of a sudden, within seconds, you go, what? What is happening to my life? What, what just entered my life? God knows that. But Paul mentions temptation by nature always grabs you. It scares you for a minute, a second, a day. And some of you are so fearful, as Brother Love tried to point out, about something that entered maybe last year while you were in school, before you came to school. But the other thing about the nature of temptation is it's, it is common to man. That phrase common to man means um, that which is human, characteristic of men. I marvel every year, and I've said this many times, when we get new students and you get to know them, and I'm not discounting my brothers and sisters that have been here, and I've learned of their faculty, staff. You begin to learn what they have lived through, what they're facing back home, what they're facing in their life. You begin to understand, as heartbreaking it is to me um, to have to know these things, and I pray for you. Can I tell you, and this doesn't make it any easier, but there's nothing that's ever happened to anyone in this room that hasn't happened countless times to some other believer on this planet. Cancer, suicide, siblings turning away from God, children or grandchildren turning away from God. It's happened. Now, that doesn't mean it's Paul saying you, you should be ashamed of yourself for feeling the way you do about this trial and temptation. No, Paul says, listen. You didn't ask for this time in your life, that temptation. God knows it came and grabbed you. But you should also know many. God's children by the millions and millions over these thousands of years. God is very aware of your particular trial. Uh, the nature of temptation. But notice the nature of God. Paul says, but God is faithful. Wow. When you're weak, when you're scared, when you want to quit, God's none of those things. 
You ought to say amen. Because we need that kind of God when we get into that really bad spot. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer? You know that word means allow. Who will not suffer you to be tempted, tested, tried above that ye are able. The word above means beyond your limit. Above that you're able. You probably know the word able there is from the most common word for power. It is the word power. God, listen, before I move on, I want to tell you something. As horrible as things happen to God's people. By the way, bad and horrible things happen to lost people too. But they don't have a father in heaven. They don't have this promise. I do. You do. God will never allow no matter how horrible and how vicious that trial attacked you, God has a limit. You're about to see how he handles that limit. God, and, and honestly, just this year, I say this every year, but I never get over the, the heartaches that hit my fellow students here. The heartaches that hit my fellow faculty. And staff, it's like, you know, Lord, don't, there's, there's a million people. I see their names on TV. I hear about their horrible lives. God, you know, you could do this to them, but God says, no, wait a minute. I'm God. I'm faithful. And I know how much each one of my children can handle. And I will not allow any temptation to overwhelm them. There will be a way of escape. Now, folks, the only way that you cannot claim this message today is if you by an act of your will turn away from God's way of escape I've done that what a mess I'm not preaching down to you I'm preaching to myself we all need this passage today we all need our tailor-made escape God has set limits no believer can truthfully claim that he or she was overwhelmed by temptation or trials You see, my friends, there is no such thing as irresistible temptation. Now, you may feel that way. You may feel, look, I'm about ready to quit. I have failed in the past. Yes, so have I. But it wasn't God's fault. I refused the way of escape. We willingly. You want to know how we're faithful? We're faithful in that we're constantly facing temptation and trials. But you see, we willingly fail God's testings and we are willingly guilty of the trials of life. It's always because we look to others or maybe we look like Paul said in ourselves and say, I can do this. I have finished a semester as a freshman. I got this. I'm a faculty member, 27th year. I've got all these degrees. I've done blah, blah, blah. Listen. When we look at ourselves and we're thinking, I got this. You know what Paul said? You better be careful. You better pay attention. You're about to go down. Number one, the warning to the proud. Number two, the worldwide principle. But in closing, look at the way of providence. And this is the heart of my message. This is what gets me, my heart. The Bible says, God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able but will with the temptation. Okay, listen. This is the wonderful, mysterious, strange working of God. Please don't miss this. 
God has made and declared to us that when we are in the darkest times in our life, when we didn't ask for that, no one announced that temptation was going to hit my mom and dad's marriage or my sibling or our pastor's wife with cancer. I didn't, I'm not ready. God says, I know. But I'm going to do something that when you escape, when you make it, I want you to remember my faithfulness. Notice it says, the way of providence involves God. God personally is involved in your trial and temptation in my trial and temptation. It says, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. You see, my friends, when that, I'll just call it what it is, that horrible thing that just, you thought, I, I, listen, there are, there are people in this room that when it hits your life, you said, I don't know that I can go on living. I don't know that I want to go on living. That's a pretty bad temptation. But God's got you. You realize God knew this was coming? And you know what? He said, I am personally involved in your life, in your temptation. This disaster isn't just yours. It's ours. But notice he says, I will Take that temptation and I will make a way of escape. That phrase, make a way, literally means to fashion. Here is the super wonderful, beyond my real comprehension, but brother love, by faith, I want to receive and obey this. God can take that which is to us life ending. And he says, watch, I'm going to take that which would destroy you. And I'm going to refashion it. Now listen, do you realize what God's saying? I'm almost done. God does not say to you, I will take it away. You realize, now God can do that. And God has done that at times in my life, for which I'm so grateful. But many times, God says, no, I'm not taking it away. But I'm going to make with it some, something so supernatural, so powerful, one day... You're going to escape it. So God's way, brethren, is not to take it away. God's way is to take us through it. And I've been there. In fact, you know, when I wake up that day and say, whoa, how, how did I get through this? God says, I had you. you were, I carried you. We made it through together. God's way to escape is not to get away from it or to get out of it, but so often, brethren, by passing through it with us. God does not take us out. God sees us through it. That's the heart of my message. You want a great escape? Quit trying to run. Quit trying to live in your fear as brother Love so powerfully preached to us. Obey the word of God. Obey this part of the word of God. And say, God, mm -mm. if you're promising to make a way of escape that I might be able to bear it, God, I'm willing. It's hard as an impossible. I don't understand, but God, I trust you. Help me to get through it with you. Can you imagine the type of glory a person who follows the promise of this verse? The type of glory he gives his Father in heaven versus 
a Christian who's always saying, nope, unless you take it away, I quit. Unless you... What I'm saying is, from what Brother Love preached to us, this is a, this is a verse of obedience. Instead of us trying, I know, guys, I go through the same thing. Well, I'll go to God when I figure out I can't do anything more. No, we're not talking about that kind of temptation. We're talking about the kind of temptation that is about to destroy you. You are so scared all the way down through your body, soul, and spirit. You're crying out to God, and maybe you're tempted to do what Paul did. I close by turning with you to 2 Corinthians 12. You want to see, uh, you know, one of the reasons I love Paul so much, Paul was one of those preachers that didn't tell you what to do and not do it himself. Paul actually shared a moment in his life when he was directly attacked and the temptation and trial was so great. We find the mighty apostle Paul saying he never talks like this in his other writings. He admits to the Corinthians, can I share something about an event in my life? Now, the first part of the chapter, he talks about his revelations and visions. And it is pretty good. But he says in verse 7, are you there with me? 2 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. All right, now Paul is saying, look, I know now that God allowed this. And I hear a lot of commentators, preachers say, you know, Paul was probably talking about his eyes. You know, he had, he had been beaten, stoned, left for dead, and his eyes weren't working well. I've always looked at this passage, and Paul earlier talks about all the light afflictions he went through, the beatings and the drownings and being stoned to death. But you know, when Paul stops and talks about this, going to heaven and having these spiritual revelations, he says there was given to me that God would humble me something, and it couldn't just be bad eyesight. In fact, if you really look what he says, he said, there was given to me a messenger of Satan. The word messenger is angel. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. The word buffet means to batter black and blue, to beat. And then he says something that always amazes me. He says, for this thing, this demonic attack that I knew personally was targeted at me to destroy me. He said, that's what I thought. And I besought the Lord. How many times, brethren? Do you ever know Paul went the first time and said that it might depart from me, God? This is, you know, you and I have been through a lot. This is really bad, God. And God, I'm praying in Jesus' name. You know, Paul knew how to pray. He wrote about prayer more than any other apostle. He says, now, God, um, this needs to go. You need to remove this from my life. You know what he heard? Nothing. Nothing. Crickets. So Paul says, ah, I went back a second time. Now, I don't know if Paul talked like this. I do. Shame on me. Uh, God, you know, uh, I'm going to be a little persistent. You told me to you know, be persistent. God, this has to go. I cannot continue my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. I just can't. If you don't take this supernatural event, this dark thing in my life, God, you know how bad, how many times I think about it, and it hurts me supernaturally, spiritually. God, you got to take it away. You know what he heard from God? Nothing. Crickets. So Paul went back a third time. 
Now, I, th- I wonder, listen, this was so dark and hard on Paul. Paul, I think, was saying, I would have kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. But he said the third time, I went, God, look, I'm so tempted to quit. God, you must know how this is hurting me. And it's fears welling up. God, I can't. And God says, Paul, let me answer you. And here's what God said to Paul. Verse 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. If you look at the verb tenses there, Paul was, uh, God was saying, Paul, I heard you the first time. I heard you the second time. But Paul, you're still living. You're still praying. You see, Paul, you know why you can do that? My strength has been continuous action. Paul, don't you get this? You're asking me to take it away. But that's not the great escape, Paul. I'm going to give you my power so that you can continue. Now, I'm not saying if I was Paul, I would have wanted that answer. But listen to what Paul said. Most gladly, therefore. Oh, God, you mean this whole time? I've been wanting to quit this whole time. I've been in such darkness and hurt and danger. And God, I cried out to you twice. And I began to wonder, God, you mean you were there the whole time? Oh, God, you want to continue to use me and show yourself powerful. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. Wow, what a difference. I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, in necessities, persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, that word weak literally means no strength. Then am I strong. You say, Paul had to, Paul, he's writing this. He's been an apostle all those decades and he didn't know this. Let me tell you, if we were all honest, you at your young age and us at our older age, we need to be reminded occasionally. Clayton Shumpert, Brother Bill, Brother Hanky, who most of them don't know. Clayton Shumpert, is he still living? Yes, he is. Clayton Shumpert years ago came and preached in chapel this passage, and he made a comment. Now, Clayton, Brother Shumpert is a, a man of God, well known in South Carolina. He came to preach here, and he was so weak that he literally almost needed help to come to the pulpit. But as he would testify that day in chapel, he said, young people, and he was very frail, but he said something when I stand, at the, remember that, Brother Bill? When I stand at this pulpit, I, I, I don't feel weak. But as soon as he got done, he literally almost had to be carried back to the chair. And I remember watching that man and knowing of him, and he said this, and I want to quote it. I wrote it in my Bible. He said, would you rather have an easy life or a life in the power of God? Now, before you answer that. I think all of us up here would like to have God's power. And for some Christians, I guess, or maybe they just don't complain very much. But I don't know of any believer at some time in their life that the messenger of Satan won't come at you. And you're going to need this message. Young people, I've got news for you. 
God not only is involved in your temptation, trial, test, this disaster that snuck up on you, you didn't, you were doing everything right. And you have every right to pray if every day. But today I want to share this. It's not a secret, the spiritual law. If you'll just trust Christ and say, Lord, just get me through it. Go with me through it. Lord, show me that on that day you've made this horrible devastation in my life. You were making, using it to make a way of escape that I might be able to bear bear it. And Lord, I want to be like Paul who says, you know what? Bring it on. Because I've learned that when I'm weak, he makes me strong. Bring it on. That sounds almost to the world, that would sound foolish. But to a born-again Christian this morning, it's glory to God. I think about people that even taught here uh, when I was a younger man, and some of them are, are past, and some of them are getting older like I am. Folks, you don't know what's coming. You don't, some of you are here with temptation that's strangling you, and you don't know how will I go on. You've learned the way of escape. It's by trusting God who's faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above your able. That word able is the word power. But will with that temptation. No, he's not often going to take it away. He does, but very often he leaves it. But then he begins to work it. And after a while you go, what is happening to my life? What is happening to my mom and dad, my siblings? What's happening? My health. God, I'm here. I'm strong. It must be you. Thank you, Father. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I want to be an encouragement to you. Trust the Lord. Don't run. Don't quit. He's in the process of making a way of escape, the great escape. Father, bless now your word and help my brothers and sisters. Father, help me, we pray in Jesus' name.